This morning, grab your Bible. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. So what I'd like you to do is, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are some Bibles in the chairs in front of you, and you should be able to grab one, and we're going to look at those things together. What I want to talk about today is what is beauty. Now, as the family was walking up, and Mo and Nicole made the corner, holding Michael, I heard all of a sudden, starting way over there, coming this way, oh, he's beautiful, he's beautiful, all the way down, right? He's beautiful, all the way. And that's an expression of beauty. The question today is, what really is beauty? What is beauty? And as I think about beauty, it can be defined in many different ways. Our world describes beauty in some very practical ways, but in some very perverted ways also. If you ask the average person what beauty is, many times go to the female gender. As a matter of fact, I was looking up just definitions, just internet. I just put define beauty and all the things that came up. 80% or more lean towards women just because we think of that way. You know, we've got our our Sheltie, right? You know, and many times when people don't know if he's a male or female, they go, oh, he's so beautiful. And of course, our groomers go, no, 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 he's handsome because he's a guy, right? So when we think of beauty, many times we think of females. But when we think about beauty, we think about different things. And when it comes to the Lord, I believe that God has a definition of beauty or at least gives us a picture of what beauty really is about. What I want to show you right now is a short video of a young lady. She's a publicist. And what happened was, um, I stumbled on this over a year ago, and I just said, Lord, I'm going to keep that for one day. And I began to think about babies. I began to think about Jesus. I began to think about Michael Bryce. I began to think about our own children and grandchildren. And I began to think about beauty, but I began to think of it from God's perspective. And so I've got this video of this lady, and her name is Esther Honing, and she's a publicist. But what happened was is she had this little thing that she did, and then it turned into kind of a global, worldwide thing with over upwards of a million people being involved in it. What she did was she took a picture of herself with no makeup, and then what she did was she sent it to a website which which is called Fiverr. How many of you have ever heard of Fiverr? Been dealing with Fiverr for a few years. Okay, just a few, so that's a kind of a new thing. Let me let me just tell you this. Fiverr is a a website that you can go to, and they have all of these different people that'll do things. For instance, if I have a song that I've written and I need a guitar solo inside of that song, I can hire someone on Fiverr. And the reason they called it Fiverr, when it started, it was $5. And that's why it was called Fiverr. So you could get a guitar solo or a drum solo or a bass solo or a trumpet solo or a keyboard solo or a bass line or whatever for $5. Now it's a little bit more, but it still has the Fiverr name. Um, You can go into Fiverr, and if you want to do an intro for your website, for your your internet website, they'll do a whiteboard, they'll do all kinds of different things for you, presentations, and also they have graphic designers that'll take your pictures and work with them and do some different things. And so she went ahead and gave her picture out to some different people and just said, make me beautiful. Y'all ready? Y'all want to see this of what took place? Now I've condensed it a little bit, but you're going to get the gist of it. Wes, if you'll help me here. And Fiverr is an international freelance website where you can contract people from all over the world to do things like animation, graphic design, video editing. And one day, while I was supposed to be working at this boring desk job, I was actually looking through the Fiverr website. And that's when I came across this page full of photo editors. And these are people from all over the world, places like Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Greece. 
And they were saying things like, I can make your image perfect. And that's when I first had an idea. This really weird idea I had started to get really interesting. People had changed the color of my skin to be lighter or darker. They'd shaved down my eyebrows to be pencil thin or thick and bushy. I was dressed in a hijab. <laughs> uh, and in some instances, my face was completely reconstructed. Well, it took about a month, and I spent a couple hundred dollars. Um, but you know, in the end, I, I still didn't have any concrete idea what this project meant. This, you know, this project doesn't define beauty or what it looks like around the world. In fact, the most significant thing that this project did was start a global conversation around something that we think about and experience every day but still don't understand. And that's beauty. I start getting these photoshopped images of myself from strangers all around the world. And they're saying things like, oh, I noticed you didn't have a photo from my country, or I wanted to give it a shot. You know, all these people, <laughs> all of these people want to be a part of my collection. And at first, that's so flattering. But after like the 500th image, it all starts to feel a bit invasive. You know, like my, my face has become this global paint-by-numbers project. And it's even used without my permission in things like online ads to sell you know, makeup and, and wrinkle cream. And my favorite, Peruvian llama parkas. <laughs> you see, she had this idea, what does it mean to be beautiful? And she said, we still don't understand it. Did you catch that? We still don't understand beauty, and I'm here today to tell you I think why. Because I think biblically, I think it speaks to that. So what is beauty? And as we look, okay, let me go ahead and show you this right here. Here's a picture of Lisa holding Andrew when he was born. This is a really poor quality image, right? Because somebody took a picture in the room and then sent it to us on a piece of paper. And I took that and scanned it and made this picture. That's our, that was when he was just first born. And so I remember Lisa just looking at Andrew, and she told me, I mean, for about six years, Tommy, I wish I had a picture of this. All she had was a piece of paper on where she puts her makeup on in the morning. Some months back, I think it was for her birthday, I said, I'm going to go ahead and take that and scan it and make a picture and put it in a frame, and I did. But the point is, is that this is a picture of her firstborn grandson. Now, Andrew, we love Andrew, Asher, Aaron, and of course, Henry, we love them all. But the firstborn grandson or grandchild is special for anybody in here that has grandchildren. You know what that's like, that first feeling of, of when you have that first grandchild and what that really means. And so you can see in Lisa's face that she's looking at Andrew saying, oh, wow, <laughs> he's so beautiful. But I don't think just coming out of the womb that she was saying, oh, he's so beautiful, what many times we would say. She was looking at the real Andrew who he really was, the one who was the promised child, just like Michael Bryce as he came forward and came from the womb and came into fruition here on the earth, right, Nicole, right, uh, Mo? And uh, I remember Mo sending me pictures where he said, okay, it's happening, you know, that kind of thing, and so excited. You know, he's a boy, Michael Bryce, you know. 
But you see, Michael Bryce isn't about a picture. Michael Bryce is about someone, is about what beauty is going to really be in his life. And so as we look at this and as we read together, I want us to go ahead and look at Luke chapter 2. Let's start there, okay? We're going to start at verse 11. So it says, For today in the city of David there has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This will be a sign to you. This will be something you will notify. This is something that will tell you this is it. And when I think about beauty and I think about what God was trying to tell us about the child that was coming, let me show you a verse of scripture. Just stay right where you are. In Psalm 27, it says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and one thing that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to dwell in his temple. The beauty of the Lord is to dwell. One of the first things that has to happen is dwell in the temple of the Lord. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people talk about Jesus coming, being in a manger. He wasn't in a temple. All the Jews of that time, all the religious people were expecting the Messiah to come in a temple. You know, kind of just float down out of heaven and go, I'm here, and then be in the temple. But our Heavenly Father chose to do it a different way. Here's another verse of Scripture. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. So in the holiness of the Lord is the beauty of the Lord. You see, one of the reasons in the video that we're having a hard time defining what beauty is is because we're looking in all the wrong places. You see, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, that he is the creator of all things, that all things came into fruition by him, were created by him, for him, and through him. And if we don't start at the source, then we're going to miss everything else. You see, the imagery was to make me beautiful. What really is beauty? And we're starting with a person not starting with the one who created us all. Is that making sense? You see, the only way that we can actually see ourselves as beautiful, as a beautiful creation of the Lord, is to recognize that he created us. One of the greatest things and one of the greatest tragedies I see is how many people, and a lot of times it is in the female sense because of all the ways that our media presents females is all the ways that no matter how beautiful they are, no matter how we look at them and go, oh, they're, they're appealing, all this is perfect, you know, everything's in perfect form, they still get up and go, I'm ugly. See, how does that happen? Well, one of the things is we're not looking to who made us. Um, our dog Prince, when he was little, he could jump up everywhere. I mean, he's a little shelty. He could, he could get everywhere. And one morning, Prince woke me up from a deep sleep. He'd gotten in the bed, and he was looking right at me. When I woke up, he, he was that far from me. His face was right from me. And if you have ever seen our Sheltie, he's like a miniature collie, if you don't know what a Sheltie is. And so his framework is perfectly symmetrical. The colors, he's a tricolor sable, and his, his coloring is beautiful. And, uh, and he was just right in my face, just breathing in my face. How would you like to wake up to that? And when I looked at, you know, you know how it is, you wake up and you kind of focus your eyes and, and go, wait a minute, what's he doing here? And he's right in front of me and he's breathing. And, he, and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and he said, does evolution recognize beauty? You see, evolution says, according to the way of evolution, is things came from, of course, we started as the whole blob thing, but then we grew and we evolved. All of a sudden, we come to this 
who we are today thing. Now we all realize, well, hopefully we do, that that just doesn't happen that way. I remember uh, as a working with our young people many, many years ago when Lisa and I were much younger, I remember taking a, a clock and I took it all apart. I had a screwdriver and I took it all apart, took all the pieces, threw it in a bag and I shook it for an hour. And I said, how many of you think this clock has come back together? You see, it just doesn't happen that way. We have a creator who took us and said, I'm going to design you. I'm going to create you. I'm going to build you from the ground up. And that's what happened. That's how the beauty of his holiness. So let's go ahead and jump right back in to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at the shepherds in the field. And then I want to share a couple of things with you. Verse 8, in the same region while the, after the child was born, that there were shepherds staying in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. You will find the babe wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began to say to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Keep that verse 15 handy. And they came with haste and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he was lying in a manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard them wondered about the things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Now, you get the scene, right? There's an angelic host. They come, an angel says, Hey, shepherd guys, comes out in the fields and says, a savior has been born in Bethlehem in the city of David. And they're standing around going, man, we just thought we were watching sheep tonight, okay? Now remember, we're talking about in the night, and then a, a group of angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts come and light up the whole sky. And you can imagine, they're going, what is this about? And they say, go, you're going to find a baby. There's a sign for you. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they say, let's go ahead and go and find this thing that God has told us about, that the angels have spoken to us about. And they go and they find Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And it says that they worship him. And then they leave and they go begin to tell everyone else everything that they had seen and heard and what they had been told by the angelic host. Now, what I want you to see is that in verse 15, it says, let us go straight to Bethlehem, not take a route, not stop at Starbucks. Let's go straight to Bethlehem, right? And we're going to find and look and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, look at verse 17. And when they had seen this, they made known to everyone else the things that the Lord had spoken. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Now let me go ahead and tell you why this is significant. 
And hopefully this is something that you've never considered about this account. You go, Tommy, I've read this before. You know, what can you tell me new? I mean, I've heard it over and over and over again. Well, let's see if there's something. In verse 15, where it says this thing, the Greek word is rhema. You see, the Bible gives us some different words for the Bible. Grab your Bible. You see, the Bible in its written form is called the Logos Word of God. L-O-G-O-S. That's the Logos. That's the written Word of God. Then when God brings a revelation that comes inside of us, the Bible describes that as a rhema word. In the Greek, R-H-E-M-A. And this is the word used right here in verse 15. Let's go see this rhema revelation that God wants to make real to us that the angels have spoken about. All of a sudden, God is saying, it's not just something. It's a rhema word right out of heaven. Do you understand that a rhema word is something that goes so deep, no enemy can rob it from you. It's a rhema word. It's a revelation word that comes into us. So when they said, let's go see this thing which the angels have made known, what they were saying was, let's go find a rhema revelation word of what the angels declared. The angels came and told these shepherds, a Savior has been born. Your sins can be forgiven. You're going to find eternal life. There is something so great that you've been waiting for that you've read about from your forefathers and forefathers and forefathers. It's come to pass. He's in Bethlehem. Oh, another Savior. I don't think so. They said they went straight to Bethlehem. Let's go find out this thing which the angels came out of heaven. That came to tell us. Then we look at verse 17. Look at this. And it says, And when they had seen what they were saying that they had been told, that also is rhema. What they now have seen, not only what the angels heard, but now they're seeing it and they're going, this is what they told us. This is a revelation, heavenly word. Someone this morning, well, I won't say who it is. This past week I was in prayer And the Lord brought someone to my mind that's here this morning, so I shared with them this morning. And the Lord began to show who he was and how that person was viewing how their walk should be and what their life should be and how it may not look like that right now and how that was a a great possibility of disappointment. But God was saying, you know what, even when it looks perfect, it's not always perfect. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, while I was riding back from Colorado here recently, riding over the Rockies and snow everywhere, you know, most of you know I have communication in my helmet. Many of you, I've spoken to you while I'm traveling down the highway. And you go, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm going down the interstate. Really? (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, talking. And riding over the Rockies, snow everywhere, I'm getting phone calls. You know, so-and-so is sick and this and this and this. How many of you know that in the midst of what appears to be perfection, there's imperfect things going on? You see, what was happening is the angels were, uh, were out there telling shepherds, man, the Christ child, the Savior has come. You need to go see it right now. Here's a sign. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they go, can you imagine those shepherds looking at each other going, what do you think? Uh, we probably ought to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would like to think that the angels found shepherds who wanted to obey. Because they knew they would not only go, but then they would begin to declare it to everyone. And what was the declaration? They said in verse 20, they went around glorifying and praising God and saying, this is what we have seen. And that word in verse 20 is to know the revelation that you've gotten. 
Think about this. So the shepherds, they hear about a rhema revelation that's being told to them by an angel and the angelic host. They go over there and they see the Christ child for themselves and it becomes a revelation, a rhema revelation inside of their heart. And so as David did in his short sermon this morning, at the, he said, let's go out and share Jesus with people all around us. That is taking the revelation, the rhema revelation that's in you and sharing it with someone else saying, you've got to get what I have. It is imperative that you understand what I have. Remember uh, last year when we were at Whole Foods, and we'll be Christmas caroling again there this year. We've got a new place we're going, Super One Foods this year, the new Super One. They were so excited. Come on out. We want you to sing at the cashier registers in front of everybody that's in the store. Now that's exciting. That's someone wanting us to declare that message, right? Well, last year at Whole Foods, we had 53,000 hits on the video that Whole Foods produced across the nation. And the comments were, man, they're excited. Man, they're really singing. Man, who's that guy in the front jumping around? <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was David. Yes, sing, sing. <laughs> and there's me kind of standing off to the side with a ball spot. So they didn't say anything about <laughs> Who's the guy with the ball spot, you know? What I'm trying to say is, is that 53,000 people recognized that we believed what we were singing. That was a rhema song. That was rhema information coming from the inside. You see, you, you go, rhema. Well, rhema Bible College there in Oklahoma, that's where that name comes from. It's about getting the revelation of the written word. It's not only just written, it gets inside of you. So let's go ahead and look at the next one. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to turn there also. Now, what we're talking about in Matthew chapter 2, and I'll try not to keep you long this morning, but I want you to get this. I just got so excited. I want you to get excited also. In Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? Now look, they're already looking. They're already going. We already have something telling us we've got to come see. In other words, the shepherds, the angels said, Guess what? The Savior is born. The Magi already had an understanding that a Savior had been born. Not only a Savior, but the Savior. Where is he that is born King of the Jews? We have come to worship him. No, no, no. Not to give him gift cards. We want to we worship him. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm not making fun of gift cards. What I'm trying to tell you is they came with an express purpose. We came to worship him. Where is he? We hear that maybe you can tell us. Look at this. Herod the king, he was troubled when he heard all of this. And all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes, he began to inquire them, saying, The Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, because they were going back to Scripture, correct? All of a sudden, Scripture's becoming real. They got magi going, Man, Scripture's being fulfilled. And the very people who should have been paying attention weren't even paying attention, caught them off guard. In Acts chapter 8, it says that the Ethiopian eunuch went all the way to Jerusalem to find God and left without God. In this simple servant named Philip, God translates and brings him there and he tells him that the person he's reading about in Isaiah is Jesus the Messiah. You see, you can go to all the right places and not get what you're looking for. You've got to go to the right, right source and that is to God himself. And that's what this word is saying. They're going, we want to know what God is saying. Verse 4, and gathering together all the chief priests and scribes, they came and they talked about it. And they said, yes, it's written in the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, 
uh, Judea. You are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Isn't that powerful? Verse 7, Herod secretly called the Magi, ascertained from them or gained the information from them the time that they saw the star because he was trying to calculate when he was born and where to find him because he wanted to kill him. And he sent them to Bethlehem say, you go and you make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me what you have found that I can come and worship him also. Verse 9, and having heard the king, they went on their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went before them until the child came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They found who they were looking for. How many of you know that that star had to be something magnificent? I mean, think about it. Among all the stars of all the things that they could have found, One is like they came a long way, and this is the star we are following. That's how convinced they were. There were multiple. Most people say there are three. What if there were more? And what about all the caravan and all the stuff that they brought? Because they're pretty wealthy people. They're convinced that star is bringing them to where they need to go. Look at verse 11. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and did what? Worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, gold represents wealth, authority, royalty. Frankincense is what they used to bury the dead, to take the scent. Even when he came, they, they said, we know what his purpose is, to come and, and bring as a Messiah salvation to everyone. And then myrrh also as a purifying scent something that you applied. And look at this, verse 12. And having been warned by God in a dream, the Magi did not return to Herod. Look at this. In verse 11, it says they saw the young child. That is the exact same word that the shepherds used when they got the rhema word and they began to go out and declare what they had heard and saw. It is the exact same word. You see, the Magi went over there going, we have a rhema understanding of what God is saying. We just want to see the real thing. You know, when I came to the Lord, when Lisa and I came to the Lord, I said, I want the real thing. And when we found the real thing, I looked at Lisa and said, nobody, including you, will ever cause me to walk away from whom I found, not it or her or what, but the real thing. When you have found the real thing, it is so deep inside of you, don't let anybody or anything take that from you. That's a rhema word that goes deep inside. The Magi were saying, we're so convinced. Man, do you have any idea of how convinced they had to be to go all of that way? Do y'all have any understanding? Have you thought about that? They weren't even Jews. And they understood Scripture more than the religious leaders. Herod's going, hey, is there a Scripture about the Messiah coming? Oh, yeah, by the way, it's... uh, You know, we find it in Micah, we find it in Isaiah, we find it here, we find it there. Well, you know what? I think he may have been born. Really? Yeah, they got these Magi guys came and said, man, we've been following a a, a star. The Messiah's born. Can you tell us where he is? Because surely the Jews, you guys are worshiping him. No, as a matter of fact, we don't know where he's at. I tell you what, you keep looking for him. Let me know when you find him. That was so deep inside of them, they were more convinced than the religious leaders. He says Herod went to the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, and went to him and said, tell us where the child is. But we don't have a clue. See, that's one of the perfect reasons why we know that Jesus is for all people. 
You know what was interesting about those pictures in that video that was all across the world? She got over 500 pictures from all over the world trying to make her up to what they thought was beautiful. The great thing about it is, is that God is saying, let me tell you what is beautiful. The beauty of my holiness, my creation. Let me go ahead and read to you. I printed some things. I found different ages. There was a website that had all kinds of different ages of definitions of beautiful. So let's start with a five-year-old, Lily. Beauty is playing dress-up in princesses. <laughs> Babies, huh? Babies? Even a five-year-old understands, right? You get what I'm saying? Look at this. Babies, toys, pretty flowers, and sparkles. A 14-year-old. Beauty is a collection of things that make you feel good. That's okay, but you see the perspective changes, right? I feel beautiful when I have a cute outfit on and when I'm pampered. Nails, toes, and a massage. That's what Hannah said. Here's a 48-year-old, Christy. Beauty is being confident, kind, accepting, and having a good attitude. These attributes exude self-esteem and goodness. Again, 48 years old, you can, you can hear what they're coming through. I feel beautiful and confident when I'm dressed well. I feel beautiful after I work out when I feel strong. I feel beautiful when I'm with my family because I have such pride in them and they in me. And that's a 48. Now, here's Shar, who is a 75-year-old. How many of you know that it's going to be different? You know, as I've gotten older, I'll be 60 in a few weeks, and my view of life has changed some over the last years. As you get older, your view changes. Your experiences cause you to have a broader view of of just what's happening around you. Look at this. For me, beauty is found in so many places, people, and things. It is reflected in the happy faces of new sweet babies. It is viewed in the beautiful displays of decorations on our homes for the holidays. It is visible in the breathtaking, spectacular sunrising and setting with a mountainscape in the background. It is found in the generous, warm hearts of people giving unselfishly for their time and donations to support programs that benefit others. It says beauty is found on the pristine beachscapes, void of debris, but where fresh footprints can be seen. Beauty is displayed in the unfolding of each season. There is nothing that exudes beauty more than a bride approaching the altar and her loving groom. Finally, a world devoid of war and terrorism is a world that would be safe and ever so beautiful. A little bit of a different perspective. When we get a God perspective on things, when we kind of move out of ourselves, anybody know what I'm talking about? When you kind of get out of yourself, get out of the way, and you begin to say, God, you give me a perspective of what beauty is, then we begin to see beauty. Let me tell you this. I believe what is beauty? To behold the Lord, to behold his creations, and to behold his revelations. How many of you would agree that when you see God's creations, you can see the beauty of the Lord? Because you see, in that precious baby this morning is the creation of the Lord. See, when it starts with the Lord, then you can say, oh, how beautiful. You can go out and you can see landscapes and say, oh, how beautiful. But when you start with just an image and go, make me beautiful, how many of you know that's going to be all perverted? And when I say perverted, what I'm saying is it's going to get all skewed. Look what she said. She goes, I started getting images all over the world. I saw some pictures. I didn't put them up there. They literally changed her face. I mean, the whole construction of her face. I mean, it was a much longer video, and there's a whole lot that she wrote about that. But my point is, is that in beauty, when you start in the Lord, guess what? It's not about eyebrows and noses and ears and chins. And You see, when you start in the Lord, it doesn't start and going, oh, my makeup is not right this morning. If it starts in the Lord, then we have the ability to go, 
we get to see beauty from God's perspective. Just like he told me when Prince, my Sheltie, was right in front of my face and he said, does evolution understand beauty? What God was saying in, in beauty in, in Prince was this. His, his face is so symmetrical. It's perfect. It lays perfectly on each side. All of, everything, it just lays perfectly. And he was saying, does evolution understand how to create that type of beauty in creation?